So we are here, we are on the eve, we are on the cusp of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. We're here for episode 28 of the End Product Podcast. Whatever you're watching this, listening to this, whatever, rate, reviews, follows, likes, subscribes, all that good stuff really does help out. And we thank everyone who is here to, to listen in as we get set for the Global Cup on So Rare, the World Cup itself, and everything and anything else that kind of falls in between the cracks. As always, of course, I've got Stishy Boy with me. Stish, how are you? I'm I'm good. Excited for the World Cup. Feels a bit weird because it's like near Christmas, but here we are. Excited yeah, for here it. Here we are, and it's and it's a kind of warm November as well in the UK, isn't it? You know, as far as November's go, anyway. It's been a bit wet, but yeah, oh, bit, yeah, the temperatures wet, yeah. are not. It's not wet where this man is. He is all the way. He's probably the closest man to Qatar that I, I, I think I know. Uh, <laughs> he has got probably one of the favourites for the tournament as his home nation. Coming back to the podcast, I'm sure you've been on before, Jeremy. Jeremy Magan, thanks for joining us, my man. Th- thanks for having me. Am I, am I closer to Qatar than what you guys are? I, th- I think it's like a... Maybe I'm making an assumption. Bang, 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 bang in the middle. Uh, yeah, nice, nice summer starting over here. And uh, yeah, I got the two shirt behind my two teams playing each other for uh, for the opening opener. Yeah, uh, not yeah. a lot of chances for the goal shot, unfortunately. I think this this year, but we never know. They might uh, they might surprise us. I think I just made that assumption because of the climate. As I think about the global map, yes, you're probably quite right. <laughs> maybe it's closer <laughs> to us. But... <laughs> Bang on the middle is, is maybe where we are. But weather-wise, you're definitely much closer to, you know, <laughs> what the conditions in Qatar will be like. And again, I'm pretty sure returning to the podcast, he's definitely been on my channel and a bunch of other places in the meantime. Host of his own podcast as well, of course. But we've got back on Joshy Forth. Josh, good to see you also. Andrew, mate, pleasure to be on. Thanks very much for having me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm really struggling. Stish was saying about he was looking forward to our cup. I'm struggling to get a zest for it. You know, it feels it feels a bit weird. I don't. Well, Stish was saying, you know, it's a bit weird, like sort of kind of Christmas or whatever. But um, yeah, I've been like normally. I think you know, you sort of you're used to a year, a summer without football, aren't you? And then it comes around to a World Cup or Euros year, and you're like, oh, fantastic, got some foot in the summer this year. Um, but yeah, this it sort of feels like a bit of an inconvenience this time, you know. So. I don't know. I, I don't think it's helped by, um, you know, England. Like, I just don't really have any high hopes for England at all. So, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see how we go. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. No, absolute pleasure, mate. And as I was switching the lights on and getting set up and everything, and I was just kind of thinking, you know, about what we might go through and all the rest. So I was thinking, as far as England fans go, I think Josh is going to be relatively agnostic to the whole, you know, three lions and all that caper, you know, because Josh, yeah. you're normally quite, you know, not emotionless, you know, but quite, um, you know, um, a straight line guy when it comes to football, especially in this kind of setting on so rare in the Global Cup and everything. So is that why you didn't say like that right off the bat as well? You didn't want any of us shouting off about how amazing <laughs> England are and how we're going to bring it home. We've had enough of that for the last few decades and we wanted Josh on to make sure that he didn't get too carried away in here, I think. Do you think you're going to be getting carried away, Stashy? <laughs> no. If you'd have asked no. me a year ago, I'd have told you we're going to win the World Cup. But I'd... <sighs> The last sort of six months of friendlies and, uh, you know, like, um, what do you call it? The the Nations League and everything that's happened since the Euros hasn't filled me with uh, confidence going into the World Cup. But, you know, stranger things have happened. And I think Southgate seems to have a knack of getting results in the finals, which we were not used to before. So, who knows? If we hit the ground running in the first couple of games in the group stages... We'll all get start getting carried away again. I'm sure. 
Yes, very quickly, I'm sure. Once you've beat Iran 4-0, um, <laughs> they'll be going balloopers and <laughs> driving down the street with the flags out and everything. Yeah. I'll be back here in about three weeks. I think Iran will definitely score against us. Face painted in about Sorry, three weeks. Time. <laughs> On the podcast as well, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Josh, you reckon, you reckon Iran are going to be taking the clean sheet away from you? Yeah, I think Iran will score. Like, I think Terami and Asmoon are are probably going to cause our like our defense just I know Southgate will set up even like against Iran he'll probably set up very defensively it's like before you can probably tell I'm not a big Gareth Southgate fan um so yeah like and if he does then yeah you know I'm sort of used to that but yeah I think um you know I don't think Iran are a very good team but they've certainly got individual quality with the two up front so yeah if they can I, I, I struggle to I presume Maguire's going to start and I struggle to see him handling Tremi with any proficiency to be honest so like he's probably going to be similar standard to Maguire in the air, which is normally Maguire's like dominance. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think we will probably concede. Um, hopefully we still win, but you know, we'll see. Fair play. Yeah. Good shout, man, as well. So I think on the Global Cup, those guys are probably quite cheap as well. If you fancy, you know, a goal, um, if you if you think that's an easy fixture for a rent a bag a goal for somebody like Asmund or Taremi, then uh, for the, the budget those guys fall about on, maybe they're a shout. I don't know that Asmund's going to play, though, no? Isn't he he's yeah. injured or something, right? I, I don't know if he's injured, Jeremy, but the managers had, like, had as being pressured to, like, drop him. I think, like, there was, I think there was, like, some, there's something him. gone on, I think, politically or something where, you know, he he said something which perhaps people didn't agree with in around or whatever. Um, and, yeah, the manager was under, I think, some some reasonably severe I'm not 100% okay with the situation but he was under some pressure to not take Asmin to the tournament so yeah he might he might not start if he didn't then obviously that would be good for England but um, but yeah we'll we'll see how we go and Jeremy it's been I, I don't know if it's been good news and then bad news for France or if it's just been bad news and then bad news and then bad news um, I, I, how optimistic are you like, from a French perspective coming into this World Cup yeah pretty optimistic um, I think when we when we are bad, like we've been bad the past six months, it's all good news. Like it's when we, it's when we are expected that we, we start having a, a large head and then we forgot to play football. But, uh, but when we, like we just came off, what, two losses against Denmark and a loss and a draw against Croatia and the last game we won is maybe Austria. Um, so we are, we've, we've been pretty shit, but I think, you know, Benzema with the Ballon d'Or, Mbappe has been heavily criticised. Everybody's saying the defence isn't going to be good. Like that that plays right into the end of uh, of Deschamps and, and straight away in the press conference he said, we, we're done with 3-5-2, we're back to 4-3-3, we're back to what we know. Um, he says, oh, Lucas Hernandez can be on the, as a centre-back and Theo can be on the left and people who like football will enjoy that. And he said, no, 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 Lucas Hernandez will be the left-back. Um, so he's going to have four centre-back in the four positions. So he's doing what Deschamps does um, so, so we're we're pretty comfortable. They're just going to play like not not Simeone style, but but almost that uh, what we've seen toward the end of uh, of 2018. But uh, I think the important, the interesting thing is the team that we're going to see the first two three games is probably not going to be the team that we're going to see run of 16 quarterfinal because that's what Deschamps usually does. Um, so uh, I, I'm yet to see who's going to be the uh, the one that really explodes during that World Cup, whether it's Chouameni or you know maybe like a out of less field choice, Konate or, or Genduzi, but there's going to be one of them who's going to find his, uh, his little hole in, in the team and, and it's going to be good to see. Up front, it's not changing. It's it's Griezmann, Mbappe, Benzema and maybe Giroud and, and Goukou not being here. He would have been played five minutes a game. So 
somebody else will get five minutes. But the the, the upfront, the three four are there. I'm quite surprised to hear you uh, uh, can like um, pretty, quite surprised to hear those Deschamps quotes because I expected to see a big role for Tio Hernandez and I put I put him in my first draft of my team because I was looking at the defender pool and he's quite expensive. He's like 15 points, but he is in that France team if he plays really 100 capable. You know, for a global cup, that's kind of what you're after in defence. I think you know. So what you've just said there. Um, confirms my fears, which <laughs> because when you look at that squad, man, there's just how many centre backs have he's got? Like seven or something? You know, Pavard, Upamecano, Varane, Kanate, and there must be some. There must be at least another one um, because yeah, there's an obscene Look, Kunde, Lucas Hernandez, Saliba, yeah, Saliba, yeah. That's why right back. Saliba and Kunde are going to be right back. Um, Lucas Hernandez is the left back. Yeah, yeah. That's why he plays. When he plays what the I was games. thinking about is the last World Cup, Pavard was right back, and that's where he really blew mm. up. You know, he scored two worldies from right back. And Do you remember that volley he scored? Cool. Yeah. That was amazing, uh-huh. wasn't it? Yeah. So that's so what I thought. Exactly Pavard has to be the World Cup right back. And then if you're going to play him there, then Tio, just to fly, but maybe Lucas in. Uh, he doesn't like Deschamps. Deschamps wants to win, and when he wants to win, he doesn't play any risk. Like, the only way Theo plays is if in the first game he does... Lucas and Pavar and then whoever he puts at the back. We don't have we don't have Varan to start with. We don't have Kimpembe anymore. So it's going to be an interesting one. I think we should see Upamecano. Upa so at least he's got three Bayern players in defense. They know each other. Um, if that fails, then maybe he brings Theo in. But I think Theo is going to get him for the last 20 minutes when he doesn't win kind of thing. Otherwise, he might not see much of the ball. Like Theo was perfect for 3-5-2. But if you drop the 3-5-2, um, then you don't really need to, to have him in. I Rabiot, thought that's what we would do. Rabio is going to be one of the underrated who's going to have a big role. Yeah, I was I was looking at Rabio yesterday. Actually, I need a I need a for my um, rare special team. I need a midfielder. Um, and yeah, I was looking at Rabio and Modric as potential options. Tramini is the one who's going to be like the main role. And next to him, they're going to find two. And I think you're going to have most likely Fofana next to Tramini because they know each other. And Rabiot, kind of what Matuidi was doing in 2018, like defensively, he's a midfield and offensively, he's like a winger. Um, And then a guy like Kamavinga should have like some serious minutes because Deschamps likes what he saw with him coming in the last 20 minutes with Real Madrid. Um, So so yeah, that'll be be a bit. Deschamps has been let, let out quite a bit in press conference, which usually is quite secret. So I don't know if it was, I don't know if he's trying to play mind games or whatever, but he's kind of mm. almost given what he's going to do during the whole World Cup. Yeah. I, 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 see, I thought it'd be the Bayern back three and then just slap Tio on the side, you know, and then just run up the left with him and Mbappe. But hey, if it's not to be, it's not to be. Um, when it comes to, you, you know, we've got the full squads out now for the World Cup and there's been a few kind of, there's been a few squads come out, and when you're seeing them come out, there's a lot of question marks in, in different positions. And I think coming into the group stages, like you kind of alluded to there, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy um, a lot of squads will manage the group stage as a, as a siloed kind of event. Qualify, win this game, don't lose that game, that kind of thing. And then when we do get to the round of 16 and beyond, it is like, you know, it's a straight knockout, you know, so that's when we're probably more likely to see. Um, you know, best 11s and whatever. With that kind of stuff in mind, um, how big a role do you think in the group stages in particular, the five subs thing um, is going to come into play? 
I, th I think like yeah I think they're not going to play most of them because we we go from World Cups where teams have a whole month six weeks almost to train together to all of a sudden they've all met for well, not met but they've just rejoined each other four days ago uh, and they have a bit of training so the five I think the five subs is more going to be for risk of injury than for trying to get them in because I think they, the the coach have to try and find their 11 real quick. Uh, you got three games to figure out who you're going to put on the on the knockout game. So unless, you know, players like, I don't know, Benzema or Varane, if they do play, for sure that they're going to get out because they have risk of injuries because they're just coming back from one. Uh, but I think, I don't think we're going to see for some teams, the teams that want to win, so France, even Spain or Brazil or Argentina, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of those. Yeah, with, with the five-step, I think, you know, coaches, they haven't had the time that usually you have before the World Cup to, to really test their team. So I think they're going to go into the group stage and they're just going to basically try and get their team playing. Bar any injuries, if we look at Benzema or Varane, for example, in France, maybe they'll if they play them, they're going to replace them early. But I think we're not going to see a lot of it. It's it's a fine line, right? You have to try as many players as possible to be ready for the knockout stage. But you also need to find your best team to go and win. So I think teams like Brazil, Argentina, France, Spain, the Netherlands, maybe England, the teams that we expect to go far. I don't, I don't expect them to do a, a lot of changes throughout the game uh, unless it, unless it's late. There's not a lot of game as well that are going to be, um, you know, thrown away. Like France, if they finish second, they might play Argentina. So now the third game is actually very important. Um, same for other teams like England, etc. So. I don't know. I think the the five sub, the injury is the only reason why I would see it being used. We know how many players are either tired or or injured right now when they're going to the World Cup. Um, but otherwise, I, I feel like he, it's not going to be used that much as a manager, as a as a coach. I don't think I would be happy to have to use more than the three subs. I think it might be used as a time wasting tactic by lesser clubs, lesser yeah. clubs, lesser nations. If they're ahead in a in a big game, to be honest, um, so. and that's like the only the only real downside I see with it, to be honest. Like you know, I, genuinely, I think if a, like if a if a lesser nation is is a goal up against a big team, they're not going to make any subs because they're going to want their best players on the pitch because they have thin squads. And then when it gets to like. 87, 88, 89 minutes, they're just going to make one sub every five minutes, for, like just to run the clock down, basically. So I think that's, you know, I think that's maybe the only negative. But otherwise, I think it's quite a positive thing to have. Like, obviously, you know, it's sort of more, I don't know, formally um, accepted in, in modern day football, isn't it, with how intense the game is now and, you know, that sort of thing is, I think it, you know, it gives managers an opportunity to, to keep the players well rested. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to see the, the best standard of football at the World Cup. I think one thing about international tournaments that are held in the summer is players have a long, grueling season, don't get much time off. And then we sometimes see very lacklustre tournaments because, you know, players are, are fatigued. Whereas this year, maybe it's um it's not quite going to be so much like that, you know, with players only having played half a season. Um, I think one thing I found crazy is like Croatia and some other teams, they're playing friendlies today. I just, I think that's mad. Well, I don't understand. I sort of get that, you know, you want to get your team playing together, but it, the risk of losing a player for injury in a friendly seems seems to outweigh that for me. But um, I was just looking at their lineup, actually, the Croatia ones just popped up on Twitter. And yeah, it doesn't seem like many of their starting players are playing. Brozovic hasn't played much football in his I don't think, I think he's been injured. So he's starting probably just to try and get some match fitness. And then the only other starters I'd probably expect would be 
Uh, Livakovic is playing goal. Lovren might play, but I sort of expect him to go with Gvardi on Satalo, but who knows? Um, and then I think I expect Nikola Vasic to play um, up front and he is starting as well. But yeah, I think that's that seems really risky to me. I'm not sure I'd be doing that if I was a national team coach. Well, I was just looking through the fixture list there when you were talking about friendlies because um, I thought that's an interesting point because I know some teams are playing friendlies and some yeah. aren't. And some of the teams, I think Mexico played Japan, right? But outside of that, like Argentina, Croatia, some of these other nations are playing non-World Cup nations and some of them have got nothing to lose. I think if it's Mexico, Japan, I think they'll probably be like, listen, let's not hurt anyone. Is that Play okay? Like touch you know? rugby almost. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but like, another one caught my eye a minute ago and it's like a real minnow. It's like Germany against somebody. And Argentina are playing UAE and uh, Germany are playing Oman, you know, and it's like, how do you what know one of them point? is now to make a name for themselves yeah. or something and just go crunch somebody or... Well, do I, don't, I don't understand. Just, why not just have a training? Like, how many players are in the squads? 26 players. What, just have a training game, surely. That, like, you're playing, what are you actually going to get from playing a man? I don't understand. There must be financial benefits in there or something, I guess. I, I, I heard Luis Enrique, because Spain is playing Jordan. And Luis yep, Enrique right. said that one thing that he was scared of was how ready Asian teams are going to be against European teams because of the climate, the weather, etc. So he reckons right. like a team like Australia, because they played their qualifier against Peru in Qatar, they'll know the intensity of 90 minutes under that weather. And so he kind of hinted, at, we'll do a friendly to see how we go 90 minutes against a team that is used to play like that. So maybe there's a bit of this. Uh, but I think uh-huh. the risk is is definitely still pretty big. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's a great detail um, and a nice kind of tactical approach from them. I was thinking more might be just a wee bit of getting the whole squad kind of like in sync, you know, because they'll all be on different patterns of when match day is, recoveries day, days are, training patterns, etc. And it may be just, you know, you, you get together, you do the training sessions, you do the match, and then everyone's in a kind of sync of when they rest and when they're ready. Um, but that's a great detail as well, Jeremy. With the, the sub thing, the, the, the main thing that I'm worried about isn't so much like the smaller nations, but the bigger ones, you know. So like I'm looking at Argentina, for example, and I think we would maybe agree the favourite front three is Di Maria, Messi and Lataro. But at any stage, if they are two or three goals clear, they have like a full new set of a front three. And we've seen across Europe with like the introduction of the five subs rules, more and more of like, progressive attacking teams do rely on like a double triple switch at some stage in the game where they will like totally change the forward positions or maybe freshen the midfield up or the wingers that kind of thing in terms of the global cup how much of an impact do you think that kind of aspect might have on things yeah it's a good point that because you want to be selecting players that are going to get 90 minutes as regular as possible aren't you yeah so i yeah it's a very good point and obviously I guess I hadn't even thought about the heat, Jeremy, to be honest, but you'd make a great point. It's a massive thing, isn't it? And that's, again, probably why they've had this five subs as well. But yeah, I think you really want to be, for your Global Cup size, you want to be picking players that are going to play 90 as much as possible. This is making me rethink my De Bruyne over Kimmich scenario, but I'm, yeah, we'll see. I'm not sure. I think as well, we don't know until the games really kick off, but there's all this talk of like this high-tech um, air conditioning being pumped into the stadium. So we don't know actually how hot it will be on the pitches during the games. It might not actually be as hot if this air conditioning does the job that they say it's going to do. So I'm not even so sure that how much of an effect that that temperature is going to have until the games kick off and we see 
we'll probably know within the first couple of games, you know, I think um, obviously England playing Iran um, and we're not acclimatised to any sort of heat like that, apart from when we play in the off-season. So <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a massive point, um, especially if we don't get a result um, on Monday. I'm sure we'll be hearing all about the heat and the effect that that may or may not have had on the players. So we'll probably know pretty soon how much of an impact that kind of temperature is going to have or if it's going to be impactful at all. But I've definitely, like when looking at my draft picks, just been looking firstly at players I think are going to start um, and fixtures where I think defensively or offensively in those first match. Just to be honest with you, I only really focused on the first fixture. Because if you look at how yeah. the tournament works, you can win a card pretty much for entering um, any of the global specials. You'll win like another card. And you don't fin- need to finish that high to get a star or a tier one. So, you know, where the stars and the tier ones are the expensive draft picks, um, I think if you can get sides out and if you do play the 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 normal so rare game as well and you're entering with your rares and limiteds and super rares, Chances are you could end up at the end of every round of matches with like two or three cards to use in the next round. So I've I've pretty much like just based my my thinking on let me get a team together that should all start um, forwards that have a good like attacking fixture, defenders who should keep a clean sheet in that first game, and then hopefully bag yourself like a Messi or a Neymar or someone for that next round of games that you can't afford in the draft right now because it they look. You know, tier zeros and tier ones should be pretty obtainable for most of us. Um, and, you know, at worst case, tier twos and tier threes just for entering a team in those tournaments. So for me, you know, like there are a couple of entries in my first like match week, which maybe have only two or three players that even have a match in the Super Air League. Um, but if I can finish in like the top 80%, I'll at least win myself a, a global card that I can use in the next round so in terms of like tactics I haven't really thought that much about like the heat or anything like that just yet I've just purely been looking at the game the gameplay and like how to play the game and this is what I've been kind of communicating with friends of mine who are not familiar with so rare is like just try and concentrate on getting yourself five players um, and making sure that you win another card for the next round of games um, but yeah I don't know if either of you have had any different sort of tactics when it came to that initial draft or how you've been looking at how you might maybe rotate those drafts into the second weeks um, and the third weeks. Because I think we get we get another draft, don't we, before in the knockout stages. I think we get to pick another four cards. So it wasn't even too much for me, too much about thinking who's going through. It was like, get a few players that should start, get a, a, a solid five that should definitely start every game. And then there was a couple, I think I was looking at Ecuador, I picked up um, Casado and um, Hincapi from Ecuador in my nice. draft because I fancy them to get a result or two in the groups, pick up some good points. I think Hincapi playing a more central role will be a good look for him. I think he's a great player. I like him a lot. Um, I think he's 10 points. So he wasn't the cheapest option, but for goalkeeper-wise, you know, I've gone with Alisson and Tani. Tani's six, six points. He's not going to play a game. That doesn't matter. But then I've got a little... I think I might even already have a Tani common, so he's not even going to be of use to me after. But um, but yeah, I think uh, one one solid goalkeeper was the play there. Alisson should play every game for Brazil unless he gets injured, in my opinion. 
Um, and then I went, I've decided to go with like the stack, you know, the old sandwich stack that we've mentioned on here before. <laughs> I've gone for yeah. a, an attacking Argentina stack, defensive Brazil stack. And there, and then in the middle, I can kind of, I've got well, the, the, the meat in the, in the sandwich, so to speak, is uh, Musiala at Germany, who I fancy to have a massive tournament. I think he's going to really? be the breakout star of this one. But do you think he gets the minutes? Yeah, he's going to play. I think he'll start. Yeah, I think he'll start every game. Him and, him and Muller in the nine and ten positions. I, yeah. I believe will be the lineup. I think so too. Muller as well at World Cup could be a. How many people do you think are actually going to pick, pick Muller? You know, because know, yeah. he can score five or six. Man, you know, he looks good value. World Cup. He looks good value when you compare him to other forwards at like the big, the big sides. He looks like a decent, valuable pickup. And yeah, I think I think he will start. Probably all of the group games, you know, like unless he picks an injury up, I'd expect to see him as like the focal point there. Especially now, you know, like they've got yeah. like, I mean, there's Havertz there, but I don't I, Havertz. I think it, it'll be Havertz or Muller in that in that position. I think you've got Musiala, Sane, and Nabry maybe playing behind either Muller, uh, Muller or or a Havertz up top. That's kind of how I see it. But you know, I think that Muller could potentially play in that Musiala and the role in the squad. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, it's it's tough, but I do. I just think Musiala has been too good this season for him to not. And he's been getting minutes at the national side already as well. He's, I think, he's a slightly riskier play, but even in a side like Germany, you put Musiala on, he should make a difference as well. And if he even if he gets thirty, forty minutes, I'd expect, you know, some 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 goal involvement there. So I put him in. But then I'm hoping I win, like, if I can pick up a Neymar or a Messi or a Carry Kane or something from that first round of rewards, then my, that, my forward kind of dilemma will be fixed. I've got I've gone for Lissandro Martinez from Argentina. So that. Have you got him as well, yeah? I love a bit of Lataro. Lataro, sorry, I said Lissandro then, didn't I? Yeah, Lataro Martinez. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I went for Rodrigo de Paul from Argentina as well. I'm nice. nice. That's where I'm so at. I keep looking at it and go to change it and then don't. I'm like, yeah, yeah nah. I've it's... changed my like seven times already. <laughs> I've gone to change it nearly every day and not changed it once. I look at it all the time. And I'm like, I just can't get past that selection at the moment. Who you guys got? Anyone different? Are there any? Has anyone gone with any curveballs? Are there any unusual? I don't think players? I've got... I don't think I've gone with many curveballs. I'm I'm gambling on the Dutch goalkeeper situation because I like mm. their group. So I, I I really think it's a coin flip, to be honest. I mean, the one thing I'm sort of banking on is that before the lock, because they're in Group A, we're going to know who's playing goal. So I can just pick the one that's playing goal. Do you know what I mean? Like they play yeah. one of the first games. So like, and it kicks off one hour before the first game, which is the Qatar game, right? And I think they're on second. So I'd like to think that we would know who the goalkeeper is going to be by the time we have the lock. So at the minute, I think Pasfier is going to be in goal because he's played the last two friendlies. They kept clean sheets in those games and he's got the number one jersey. Though Van Gaal has come up today and said that the number one jersey doesn't mean anything. But, you know, who knows what Van Gaal's doing. Um, and then I think Timber is like one of the value picks of the tournament because he's like a lock to start at right centre-back for Holland. And he's like five less than Van Dijk and two less than Ake. Um so yeah, so I've gone for Pasvir and Timber. I would really like to have Musiala because I'm with you, Stish. I think he's going to be like one of the the breakout player, of like basically the the young player of the tournament or whatever. Ooh. But um, 
I can because I've gone for Pasphere and Timber, who only cost twenty points between them, and I'm a big fan of like the five, sh- the three shitters and five smashers sort of <laughs> tactic. Um, then I can afford to have De Bruyne and Mbappe and Messi as like the other three players. Oh, very nice. So I don't, I don't really like. I would love to have Musiala, but I, I'm basically replacing either Mbappe or Messi with Musiala, which doesn't seem, doesn't seem worth it or right. I think that's um, if I. Could have like Van Dyke instead of Timber. I might, I might do that, but I, no, I just don't think it does. It just doesn't work. So yeah, I think that's how I'm going. But we'll see. I like that. I, I did. Yeah, I like uh, yeah, what you did, Josh. I reckon it's, uh, it's not a bad idea. I was uh, I was trying to get, I was trying to get players that maybe we don't expect or we don't know, and so I went to gold side. Um, from Australia and trying to see who who's had because the season is on as well for the past what two months now in Australia and who's kind of like where where is their issue in Australia and the issue is up front with Australia um, and and they'll score goals because the way they play they they're pretty alright on set piece so I got one that is completely unknown Jason Cummings because um, I was going to say come dog <laughs> yeah exactly the come dog because he literally just came out. Uh, like kind of like last year, this year playing okay um, in in the A League, um, and and also because getting a guy like him allowed me to get Mbappe, um, De Bruyne, and Kimmich in the team. So oh. with those three, I was like, okay, I can't go wrong there. Um, and, and then I'll, I'll look into it. I got um, Unai Simon as a keeper because because uh, it should be alright. And and kind of like what Stitch was nice. saying, he's playing Costa Rica to start with. Um, so like the first game should be sorted, uh, and then the, and then there's Germany. But at the second keeper, I got Pantemis, um, and Pantemis, sorry. And I feel like with Canada, you never know. Like they think that they have a starting keeper, but they always change. I don't think Pantemis is probably the third one, but um, but yeah, just just for him to kind of kind of be there. The defender is the one that I'm struggling with. Like right now, I got Nuno Mendes on, but I'm obviously never going to be happy with two PSG players in my team. Um, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to do something about that. But uh, yeah, I did it at the beginning of the week and then I looked again and I looked again and I was like, I need to find the right time. Like tomorrow I got a day off work. I'm going to find the right time to look again at the squads and, and all the injuries and who I'm going to because I wanted to get like maybe a Spanish defender, but they're changing so much. Like I like Inigo, but I don't know if he's going to really play above uh, Paul Torres and Laporte. So I'll just uh, I'll just dig into it a little bit. But, um, but yeah, Jordan Cummings is probably going to score at least once against Tunisia. So He'll get me some points somewhere for his. I think his value at six or something like that. For anyone who's not familiar, Jason Cummings is like Scottish and like he got kind of he went a little bit viral a few years ago for like he did a video and he was doing like WWE wrestling in the changing room in his pants with one of his teammates <laughs> and he was calling himself Cum Dog and all that and he's did some other kind of funny stuff if you know what I mean. But he's nationalised for Australia. And you know, but I, I I don't know if I go as far as say the guy's a talisman, you know. But he's one of those characters that you know people can get behind when he's you know and on your team, as it were, you know. So I think that could be a great. I think that kind of pick, Jeremy, in like individual match days could be wee clutch ones that gets you from being two hundred and fiftieth to being one hundred and twentieth, or yeah, you know whatever it might be, kind of thing. So I can dig that, especially if you can get guys like that on low points. I think that's always good fun rather than just the throwaway guys on low points. Like, when you guys are talking about goalkeepers, my cheap goalkeeper I got was Sean Johnson. So I think yeah. he is number two for America. And I don't even think that Matt Turner's nailed on for number one. You know, so I think I might even sneak my way into having two number one keepers as an outside shot. 
And um, on goalkeepers, I just want to, I was doing a wee thing there. I just wanted to put this out there to everyone thinking about Holland and goalkeepers and whatever, right? Louis Van Hal, in case any of you have forgotten, subbed his goalkeeper for a penalty shootout, right? He'll do that this again. This guy will sub a keeper at keeper. He'll do anything. So if any of you want to do that, then good luck <laughs> to you. <laughs> Charge on. <laughs> he will like he's taken Nopper as the penalty goalkeeper. Like he's he's like six foot eight and has like a has like a seven and a half foot wingspan and like saves penalties for fun. So yeah, he, like if they ever goes to penalties, he will serve Nopper on. Like there's no doubt about that. But um, I've got his limit. Yeah, I do. But he's uh, uh, yeah, yeah. he's not going to score agree. points in a penalty shootout. That's the problem. No, unless they no, introduce exactly, something yeah. for the World Cup. But yeah, at the moment, quite, they're not scored, are they? They're not scored as penalty saves or anything like that. So. It's not much use having a nopper for this if he's going to be that guy, unfortunately. Would have been great. I'd like to say Nice hundred. So, Quinny, who yeah. have you gone for? Well, I changed mine up a little bit. I've not changed it up too much since the first time around. Like, goalkeeper, I went with Emmy Martinez because I just think, like, out of all the goalkeeper choices, he is the biggest hero of potential hero of a goalkeeper. Like you guys probably seen the quotes, but when they won the Copa America, he was quoted as saying, I don't really care that I won this. I'm just really happy Messi won it, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and he has like a real, he, you know, cause he's started his, his career's flourished so late in his footballing career. If that makes sense, he's only became a number one, like two minutes ago. And you know, he's, he's late twenties or whatever. So, you know, Argentina, I expect to get to the final. And I think like, yeah, I just think he's a real hero potential of a goalkeeper, you know, in defence, I was so det—I was so determined to play Tio Hernandez because I just think out of all the defenders there, he is easily the most 100 capable, in my opinion, if he plays. But listening to Jeremy confirm all the other noise I've been hearing, I've swapped Tio for Lucas, and I don't think Lucas is 100 capable, but I don't think he's too far behind. Um, De Bruyne, the main man, and then up top, I revealed Lotaro earlier on. Cheap man's Messi, basically. Like Messi will score goals, but Messi will probably assist more than yeah. he'll score. Yeah. You know? Um, and he loves Lotaro uh, as well. So that's all good. Main man for France is always Griezmann. And again, when I was talking about the sub thing earlier on, when I look at the France rotation or the France squad, um, particularly before the Nkunku injury, but you, you could see, you know, let, let's just say the, the suspected front three or front four, if you like, would maybe be something like. Um, Mbappe, Benzema, Griezmann, I don't know, maybe Usman Dembele starts on the right. I don't know how they would maybe, um, you know, Jeremy will know better than me. That's why I'm cautious of saying anything for certain. Yes, you know? I will put zero before I put anybody else, I reckon. Really? Do you think? Okay, so what uh, I thought basically was Griezmann 10, Benzema top, and then a left nice. and a right of Dembele and Mbappe, especially if they're going four centre-backs. I thought that would probably be get even more attacking players on. It's going to be think a flat midfield free, isn't it, Jeremy, I think? Yeah, it's like I think Rabiot, his, his, main, mid. his main sure. idea will be the flat three, like Chouameni, mm. Fofana, Rabiot, and then yeah. just Benzema, um, Mbappe, Griezmann. But Benzema doesn't play the first game, yeah, because of the because of the injury. I reckon he only comes in for the second game. So I think he starts with Giroud, Mbappe, and Griezmann because Mbappe loves playing next to Giroud because Giroud doesn't play where Mbappe plays. Uh, yeah. But with Griezmann, you have a great shot, and if you have Griezmann and Lucas Hernandez, those two fucking love each other. They combine yeah. each two together so well. And Lucas Hernandez only play really high when he's got Griezmann next to him because he knows those two will press together. So those two together in a team, I think they're like the the best defender-attacker combo, if that's a thing, uh, on somewhere mm. that you can have next to each other. 
I'm really glad I fell into that then um, by accident. So, <laughs> and then in, in midfield, I went De Bruyne because how can I not want a common De Bruyne when this tournament finishes? Number one, <laughs> number two. Uh, obviously, I think he'll go really far in the tournament. I think he'll kill it. I think you know De Bruyne is one of these few players, especially in midfield, that I think is like a one-man operation. Like Belgium are a great team and all the rest of it, but I think De Bruyne could probably get a team of maybe a slightly smaller standing quality than Belgium to probably the quarterfinals or something because dead balls, never mind open play, he's, you know, he does not miss a pass. He sees passes that don't even exist and all the rest of it. So I think he's a no-brainer. And then for the, I've got a six-point midfielder who I think is the best six-point player on the draft. You ready for this? Go on, Senes. I'll take that silence as a yes. (laughs) (laughs) Takumi Minamino for midfield is six points. He is the penalty taker for Japan. He is one of their best players, their main players, blah, blah, blah. You all know who he is. Liverpool, Monaco, Salzburg and everything else. He's six points, you know. So even the one game you think Japan are going to do well in, if you maybe need another player to come in in that game week, maybe you've got a guy that maybe has rotation bait, maybe picks up a a niggle or a knock or something. Or, you know, whatever, for six points, because you are going to be picking up five and six point players in your draft. Like, I think Minamino, if you've got a midfield spot, like, he's the best one there. And in the very final spot, I was left with nine points, and how could I not pick a Celtic player? So I took Cameron Carter Vickers, because again, why wouldn't I want a comment of that as well? <laughs> I did nice. wonder if he was going to have like a full blown Celtic stack with like JJ uh, Carter Vickers. <laughs> Well, I, you know, like I said earlier on, uh, actually before we were recording, the four Celtic players going to the tournament, you could draft them all and still have good budget left for Messi and co. If you know what I mean, because Maya, Damoy, Vickers and Juranovic are all eight points, nine points or less. You know, they're all very cheap, you know. So if you did want to do that, then there wouldn't be anything stopping you. But nah, I think Minamino's too good not to have just in case I need him. And uh, yeah, Vickers, I think I'll have a good tournament if he plays. I think Minamino's a great shout. Another uh, good six-pointer that I was tempted by was uh, Szymanski in Poland. Because I think yeah, um, he's, he's managed to bed himself in a little bit more there now. And uh, he picked up um, some decisive actions in their recent friendlies that obviously aren't scored on so rare. But um, yeah, he he looks to me, I'd be surprised if he's not in the starting lineup. Um it could he could not be in the starting lineup, but I would be surprised if he wasn't. I think from the way he's been playing, um, and he's six points, and I thought that was a good value pick potentially. I would agree. I'd actually, I'd love to get your guys' opinion on this because when I was looking at the draft, I think it was last night, Lewandowski at fourteen points. Right now, I'm actually a big kind of denier of Lewandowski over the, especially for Poland. Right, I, you know, you can't deny his statistics and his quality and whatever. Right, but. He's yet to do it for Poland, and that's kind of the last thing he's got. I've got on his hit list anyway. For for me, no one's really talking about him, and it's like he's not had the most grueling last twelve months or whatever. Coupled with Fiershimanski, like I don't think the Poland squad has been as good ever. Like when you've seen Lewandowski take Poland to the Euros, like they've got guys that, with the greatest respect, Josh. They've got guys from like Hull in their squad and stuff like that, and whatever you know. And at least now, I think like they're starting a living. I think it is like decent quality. Josh is you know, about to run away now. <laughs> but I think the Poland squad could actually be a bit of a surprise. And Lewandowski, he's going to do everything for them, you know, in terms of the, in the final third. And at 14 points, along with Szymanski at six, man, that's 20 points on two potentially real quality players. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think Lewandowski yeah. can can score a few on this one, like you said. I think it's his. I was talking about the with the Australian boys that I write with yesterday, and they were like, "Oh, who do you think is going to be Golden Boot?" And I was thinking, I was like, you know, maybe Lewandowski, even if it's only for the first three games. But uh, but I wouldn't surprise if he gets like three, four in there. I don't really look to yeah, him think... as much, Sorry. just because I didn't fancy Poland for the World Cup in in the World Cup in their fixtures. Um, the group's as... not that scary. Yeah, I was just having a look at that group. It's something something doesn't sit quite right for me about their group. I don't know what it is, but they haven't been as they haven't been as appealing to me in the draft as other teams. Sure. Saudi Mexico Arabia is a dark horse. I think Mexico yeah. might might surprise a few people. That's, I, I think that's Mexico a very that's a very open group. I think like Saudi Arabia, they got this coach uh, who's obviously French. Um, Hervé, Hervé, Hervé Renard is his name and he's a oh, yeah, uh, yeah. like wherever his coach is being called the magician because he's he just does things that you don't expect in the Asian is he like a cabinet uh, manager before or something like that it was sorry was he like an African nations he, manager he did yeah he did a couple something. of nations in Africa I think he did the Ivory Coasts back when they won the Afri- Afcon if I'm not mistaken uh, and then he did a bit of in, in France as well um, yeah Hervé Renard and he's this like good looking 50-year-old dude, so everybody kind of like, when he comes in, he city wears shirts that are a little bit too tight for himself. Uh, yeah. But he did really good in the Asian qualifiers, um, and uh, and he surprised everyone because there's nobody known in Saudi Arabia, uh, but there's, they're a strong defensive, defensive unit, um, and they got this, like, lightning quick um, striker that actually did all right um, against Australia and against Japan as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a weirdly open group, but, uh, but I yeah, to be honest, I think Mexico is going to crash. Um, just the team that they have, they're just very inconsistent, I think, in, in how they do it. And I didn't see anybody that I thought was going to be, we talked about it before, the Daniel Vess of the team who can, like, put them back together, maybe in the middle of the young, young squad. So, so yeah. Yeah, it's an open group. Yeah, I'm, I'm just now looking at my sort of, like, initial draft and what I'm going to put out that first game week and you know obviously like I feel really strongly about Musiala and how he's how he's playing this season um you know I'm just looking at like his minutes recently for Germany and my other options was uh Casado and um Hincapi for Ecuador who have Qatar in their first game and it it throws a spanner in the works because as much as I fancy Musiala to have a great tournament him versus Japan is a much more difficult fixture in my opinion than Ecuador for um, Qatar, and I'm I, I for that extra position I can choose between Musiala, Caicedo, and Hincapi. I mean, what what would what would your advice be on the on this? Qatar is going, Qatar is going to bribe their way through. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what would you do? Do you pick Musiala in this first fixture, or do you go with an Ecuador yeah. good all round score potential decisive? I don't know. I'll go I, think, I think Ecuador are slept on, to be honest with you, like for, for this. So especially in regards to the Qatar game, like I think Jeremy's right. There is a distinct possibility that some, you know, dodgy refereeing decisions could go in Qatar's yeah. favour. Because like, even though like, you know, not to jump on the, the whole Qatari bandwagon or whatever, but see, even if you cash your mind all the way back for any that are old enough to the 2002 World Cup, South Korea got to the semi-finals, and if you remember that tournament, the quarter-finals and the knockout round, they got some crazy stuff go their way, and they eliminated Spain and somebody else. You know, so like, 
home field advantage in the World Cup, like stereotypes aside, like it does happen. You know, home nations do of their own accord and maybe other things go in their favour, you know. <laughs> all respect to South Korea and all the rest of it as well, you know. But, you know, it, is it a shock if the home nation gets three points somehow in the group? You know, I'm not too sure, but mm. I think on paper, I think Qatar should get battered. D- different spot and all, but they've hosted the Handball World Cup, I think like four or five years ago, out of the blue, and France is like the best team at handball, um, and Qatar won the World Cup. Um we didn't know any players. A few of them were playing in Spain or whatever that they quickly naturalized, and they didn't do that for football. Um, but um, but they, they're, a, they're a weird nation, but they're a nation that wants to win. So, yeah, I'm surprised that nobody is going for um, any any Danish talent. Yeah, no, I did no, have no a look. Olsen, no Damsgaard. Like, there's, a, there's some good players there, and Tunisia is nowhere. Yeah, it's not yeah. bad. I was having a look at Hoiberg for my mid-spot, but I could afford De Bruyne, so... I didn't know the reservations I have on Denmark is very similar to what you guys were saying just there about Poland in terms of that group being weirdly you know kind of built you know because like yeah on the on the face of it Denmark should beat Tunisia and Australia but like it is the World Cup Tunisia I've got a relative home you know like we're talking about climates and friendlies and all that kind of stuff and I think Tunisia and Australia have that in their favor um Denmark technically great, of course. You know, they're starting eleven will be amongst the most accomplished, I think, probably in the tournament. But you know, like, would I be surprised if Denmark finished third? Probably not. That's why I just don't even look at them for that reason. Yeah, I think the problem for me with Denmark was how unpredictable their sort of starting lineups tend to be in tournaments. I remember um, watching them in the Euros and being like, I don't know who many of these players are, you know, and. They always have like a breakthrough star, like I think it was like, you know, like Damsgaard or someone like that who kind of comes out of nowhere. And all of the players that I'm familiar with in the Danish team, I just felt were a little bit overpriced because of maybe the scores they put up in their, their club sides. Um, and I, I, I just find it just that was what put me off a little bit. I did have a little look at Denmark um, because they're always pretty well organised at tournaments. But just that that air of like uncertainty around who may or may not start um, that that was what put me off more than anything because I think I was looking at Hoiberg and Christian Eriksen and um, a few of the defensive options, but I just think for the, the 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 cost that was put. So I think if you look at the sort of the points they give to the players across the board, they tend to kind of like weight them a little bit higher if they're in a side that's expected to do well in their group as well. And I think that maybe some of the scores or the points needed for those Danish players were just overshot a little bit for me. Maybe maybe whoever's like decided on that so rare fancies Denmark a bit more than some of the teams that I fancied in other, um, you know, I think that's why I kind of like levitated to Ecuador as a potential dark horse where I saw a bit of value. And I think with, with some of the Danish options I was looking at, didn't, I didn't get that same feeling that I was getting bang for my buck. And that was kind of what put me off a little bit. I like um, Joachim Mahale as the as a defender option. <laughs> a lot of people must be listening to Sore Odyssey. <laughs> oh, I hadn't listened to Sore Odyssey. But yeah, I, 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 I like him. I He's got much better output for Denmark than he does for Atlanta. Uh, he was great before he moved, made, moved there. He was really good in the Euros. Yeah, he was good in the Euros. Yeah. He was a good card to have then because he's on the play. platform on the, the Euros yeah. tournament too. He'll play. He'll play left or right, but he'll like uh, what's his name, the coach, the 
Yulman or something like that. He'll he'll sub the other one. I think it's Vass and Christensen, and he'll put Maele. He'll slot him in whether it's at the le- left or right, but he'll put him in. And I think yes, Kovolsen, the guy who's at Bruges right now, um, will play as well just because um, Yulman is the one who revealed Kovolsen back when he was at Nordjylland in in Denmark. So there's a bit of there's a bit of that going on as well for them as well. But yeah, I can I kind of agree that. Um, they're probably a bit of a price. I mean, they beat France twice in the past four months, so and they did so well at the Euro, and the story is there to back them up. Um, so, I so would only look at Ericsson, because I think yeah. if they do anything, Ericsson's guaranteed to be in amongst it, whereas everyone else, maybe they're subbed off, maybe they're subbed on, maybe it's not their match. But mm. if Denmark do anything, guaranteed Ericsson's involved. Yeah. That's what you want. I think you've been looking at all the players in all of the squads, like who is like the sort of what's the spine of that team and try, can I afford a player of one of those one of those players and in the first draft that was all I was really interested in apart from the goalkeeper I just the goalkeeper was like who can I get this cheap so I can spend more on the outfielders um, and just hope that I don't you know that Alisson doesn't get an injury in those first three games because he'll be my keeper until I can do that second draft and then hopefully try and pick another goalkeeper that should go the distance, I guess. Be interesting to see how that draft works. Whether they reprice players based on their first three games performance, um, that kind of thing. Because I've because if they don't, there'll be some bargains. You know, there'll be some players that no one knew about that have scraped their way into the last sixteen, and yeah. you can pick them up for like five points or something like that. And then you know, people will be picking up the Messies and this five point guy that's like put up a big score or something. So it'd be interesting to see. I was going to say that when you said that earlier on that we get to draft four more players because what I heard was we get fifty credits at the end right. of it, and I expected them maybe to reprice things. Did you see four cards somewhere, or is that? Pretty uh, sure I read that there's a second draft in the last for the last sixteen after the knockout stage for four four more players. Oh, cool. So, so maybe that's. I may have missed. I mean, I'd need to go back. I pretty much just like looked over it quickly before I started doing drafts. So. I might have that wrong, so don't take it as gospel, but I'm pretty sure I read something along the lines of you get another draft, which made me think I just need to try and draft at least like five or six players that make it through the group so that I can get another four that should hopefully see it, see the tournament out with. That's why I kind of went Argentina, Brazil. I just fancy both of those to go like decent in the, through the knockout stages. Um, but yeah, hopefully I can pick some players from another nation that I expect to do well. I think Portugal was a tough one as well because I think they've got a lot of stars. Similarly to Denmark in that, like there was a, there's a lot of quality in that Portugal side. And I think Portugal could go quite far as well, given the, the sort of like the group and the draw that they may or may not have based on the knockouts after. Um, and I was reading about the EA Sports kind of like do like a... Uh, they, every year they kind of like generate the uh, the World Cup knockout stages, group stages on based on FIFA. And uh, they've cool. got every World Cup winner right for the last three World Cups. And they generated wow. an Argentina win for this one. And I was looking at like, well, what does, how does they, how have they worked out the games? What happens in the knockout stages? And I think that their, their model sees Portugal getting to the final, I think, beating Brazil in the semi. Um, wow. And I mean, they've got the individuals to do it. If they can get that team to gel and keep everyone fit, then who knows? But um, I think this Ronaldo kind of shitstorm that's that's kicked off might have an impact a little bit. Yeah, not good timing for them. It's awful, isn't it? I think um, 
It always seems to happen. I to seem to think with Jal Cancelo, but I don't get why he cares. Like, I understand Bruno Fernandez being sore about uh, it, but uh, like, the media spun that a bit. I think if you watch the full clip, Cancelo uh-huh. gets really like frustrated in training and like smashes the ball away and stuff. Oh, and then Ronaldo yeah. goes over to like try and speak to him like as like sure. a you know like GM up or whatever, and he's like still really annoyed. So I don't think he was like annoyed at Ronaldo at all. I think it's yeah. just a bit of a media spin. Himself, to, um, yeah. Okay. To try and like yeah. point that up, I've just double checked Stish on the uh, on the medium article. You do get f- the opportunity to add four new player cards to your initial squad of eight on the following dates. So it's after the round of sixteen, before the quarterfinals, and before the semis. Oh, sorry, oh, before right. the round of sixteen, before so the quarters, really and before the semis. So we're concentrating on that first. Group. See there, fifty points or anything? Groups only. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't say anything about a, a point limit, Quinny. No, but it does say the opportunity to add four new player cards. So whether the opportunity is like you have to split your points, I'm not sure, but... Um, uh, well, swap- I read that yeah. part as that we get four cards as we go. Does it specifically say redraft there when you're reading that? Sorry. You don't... You know, it doesn't look like you redraft, you just add them. So your 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 roster gets bigger for the Global Cup. I think you're earning them as you go. I think you're pulling them yeah. from where you finish. Mm, maybe. I'm looking at, as well, like, if you look at the gameplay situation as well, like... There's four tournaments open in each match day that allow you to potentially win more cards as well. So you've got the global yeah. card, the international special, the international special, and the international special in rare, super rare, and limited. And um, I'm not 100% sure, but I f- I, is that prize pool growing with the amount of entries? Because the international special limited currently has 5,828 um, global like special cards in the pool. There's 6,183, so almost everyone is going to get a card. Um, and the same goes for the the super rare um, division, which has 72 for 82 entrants. And in the oh, rare, everyone. It's, it's almost everyone. Is that just that it's not caught up to everyone who's entered yet? It, but like anyone who enters that will get another card. Is that how it works? I think because the top are getting limited cards and everybody else is getting... Come on, yes. Yeah. But I think yeah, every single if, if you open up the prize 200%. pool, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jeremy. But if you open up the prize pool, thirty percent to a hundred percent of entries will get a tier three custom series. Okay. So even if you enter with, if even if you finish last, you'll get a tier three. Five so DNPs, this is a yeah. case of if you can if you can get DNPs into these squads, which I don't think you can. I've tried it already, to be honest with you. I don't think it. They have to have world. They they have. I've I've got Sean Johnson in one of these as a goalkeeper doesn't matter because he's just a World Cup eligible guy. So I think you just need to have them clocked on the system as yeah. being playing. It needs to match up with the Optidata because I've I've just lobbed in the National Special Super Rare because I had players that were there. But one of them, the only mid I've got is Josip Misic, but he's not in the Croatian squad. So it doesn't seem to have quite properly updated, if you ask me. Yeah, I keep looking at mine and it's going back. It keeps going like draft. So I don't know if like players are getting booted out as they're like not now not in the squads and stuff. But a lot of my players who are not actually in the squad look like they've got a fixture, but they, but I know they don't like because they're not in the squad. Um, but I just realized I'm I'm down. Get them in, get them in, man. (laughs) I'm going to definitely do that. I need to sort this out. We're talking about Portugal. I think their, their coach is their issue as well. Oh, really? They are just, they're not going to be the team who's going to win like 4-3 every game because they're going to sure. win only 1-0. So He's really defensive Portugal is a good idea. Mm. But um, but offensively, he's just frustrating, Fernando Santos. 
Ronaldo as well. He's like 14, 15 points. And, you know, if you back him to be Ronaldo, which we're talking about, I was mentioning De Bruyne, Eriksen put in this category as well, the kind of, the man that can help the team get over the line. Um, he's definitely got that in him. And, you know, this will be his last World Cup, surely. He's not going to come back at 41, is he? So, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him, to be honest. But, <laughs> you know, so maybe Portugal have got a good shout. But when I did the tournament tree thing, like, I think in the quarters, they need to play Spain or Germany or something like that. And I couldn't see them getting by that personally because I just think some of these European teams have got, I think, um, like Spain, I think Spain beat Germany. I think that's a kind of bogey team situation there. I think Spain traditionally do quite okay against the Germans. And equally, I don't think Portugal beat Spain or Germany uh, tradition. You know, like normally, like in, not that that comes into anything, of course, but, you know, in terms of like bogey teams in these, these types of situations, when I look at that, I just, I, I can't see Portugal getting by some of these teams. But, you know, maybe that's... Didn't, as well, when I look at Group H, I know somebody's about to come in there, sorry. When I look sorry. at Group H, I don't think uh, Ghana or Uruguay are like to be wrote off in the head-to-head matches with Portugal. And if Portugal don't get like a certain amount of points, that you know, they could they could finish third also, you know, to make an obvious statement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fancy Spain. I'm going to put it out there. There's something, something that doesn't seem quite right. Like, not for the, I don't think this is a classic Spain... Um, squad. I think they got good individuals. I think up top they're extremely weak compared to other nations. Um, and Fair. I just, I think they lack a little bit in the middle of the that that centre back. I think that they're 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 expo- exposed a bit there. And yeah, I think if a big team's going to have a bad tournament, it my money would be on Spain. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but that there's something fancy, just not. I fancy Spain. You fancy Spain, yeah? Yeah. And they're great, it, great individually. I just, I, there's something just, something looks missing. I like, oh, when I you think, start. See, I don't even think, start. I don't even think because of their individuality, I think because of Luis Enrique. Like, I think a lot of teams, we've just said that a few times now, like Belgium is De Bruyne, France is Mbappé or Benzema, Brazil is Neymar, and you go to Spain, and Spain is Luis Enrique Pedro. because the team doesn't make sense. The two best goals for La Liga haven't been called. Um, he's got some youth in the middle that, sure, they're great, but they're very young. Uh, mm. For what you ask them, he's got Coque, who's kind of tired, but he still plays him. Um, we were saying he was going to put Ferran Torres up front. He doesn't even play with his club, but he's going to put him. He's He's got his weird choices, but I think he's built that team for a couple of years now, a bit more even, um, to kind of play his way. Um, and and I think like it's going to be a bit of the apology of the of the shit coach that that World Cup because like Deschamps, Fernando, Torre, Fernando Santos, sorry, um, and Luis Enrique, those aren't coach that make football pretty, um, but yeah. they just they just go for wins. So I, I fancy Spain because they're not going to be the great Spain that we saw ten years ago, but they're going to be I reckon a bit more efficient and a bit more like calculated. And I think they they'll have no issue against Costa Rica and Japan. Um, and against Jamaica, they're going to struggle. But I reckon they'll get themselves out like that. Thank, thanks to this. I think, to me, I think Brazil is the big one in trouble because of their defense. Really? Yeah, Marquinhos like is not like he's like Marquinhos has not ramped up to that World Cup. Um, and I think, I think it's, I don't know, and the little bit that I've seen them play um, at the Copa America and all that, I think there's a bit of a, it'll, it'll won't take much for. You know Neymar to lose it, um, the midfield to not play well together, and I think defensively, I, I'm actually, 
Um, I don't know why like DP doesn't put Militao all the time uh, defensively, but I think it's mm. uh, I, I think they're a bit not as good as they should be, as in like they're a goal away from like crumbling or, or that kind of thing. I'm, they're not in a very very complicated group, so they should be okay there. But I don't see them going too far. Mm, I'm trying to make sure it's not my hate of Neymar. <laughs> trying to make sure it's not that. <laughs> I think all like they've not got I think they've got like three below average teams but no really bad teams in their group if you know what I mean like Cameroon mm-hmm. Serbia and Switzerland like Serbia and Switzerland could be Cameroon quite st- will be terrible Stobble, yeah all right fair Cameroon, Cameroon, Cameroon will be, be terrible but they're not like I don't know Cameroon aren't like they will be terrible Tunisia or Iran or no I promise you Cameroon will be one of the worst teams at this thing all right fair enough I've got that Maybe they smash Cameroon then. But Serbia and Switzerland like could be quite stalwart defensively against Brazil. So yeah, yeah. I sort of get that. I think personally, like I think the, the flop will probably be England. Um and <laughs> I don't I don't really I think Belgium will probably get out of the group. I wouldn't I just I don't really like their aging squad. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think like Martinez has said like um Hazard's still going to have like a big part to play for them, and he's like hardly played any football at all. Um, I don't think that's like the, but really, you what? Sorry, mate. I don't think that's that terrible a thing, really, well, in this situation. Maybe not, I guess. But I, 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 my problem I, with Belgium is actually uh, the young defence. Like, yeah, well, is it going to be a young defence though? Quite shaky, you know. Like in terms of the international stage, there was no Vertonghen, Vertonghen, and Alderweireld are still there, of course, but far from their peak at this stage, you know. And then who's the yeah, first man? Yeah, it's going to be Alderweireld, Vertonghen, and the Bast. Like that is who I'm expecting to start. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Like I, again, like I don't really fancy him defensively. Um, obviously, one thing they do. Yeah. No, I don't think so. So who plays up top for them, Joachim? Mertens uh, or like or something. Batshuayi. Yeah, maybe Batshuayi. Yeah. <sighs> See, I, but I just don't think they're going to well. be too strong. I just think like if you haven't got like world class up top you're going to find it difficult to beat those big defenders and the good teams. And that's where like Spain fails for me is like what Morata and Ferran Torres up top does not cause problems for many defenders, I don't think. And I think with with Belgium, for how good the midfield and, you know, some of the individuals on that side are, like you said, I think they may be like, they missed that window of opportunity, like the golden era. Is starting to age a bit, and yeah, you haven't got an all, an all like a Lukaku firing on all cylinders. And I just, I don't know that then I'm not as excited about them as I was in the last World Cup, you know, where I fully expected them to to do really well. But this this time around, I don't, and yeah, but I think that about a lot of clubs, a lot of uh, international sides in this World Cup, there's not, I mean, like for me, I'm, I'm looking at Argentina, Brazil. France probably is the favourites. Um, yeah. And a lot of that is down to like individual talent and quality in, in like sort of areas. And I think France have a lot of great defensive centre-back options. And for me, I like Chiuamani and Kamavinga as like a double pivot. Um, maybe that's too defensive. I don't know. But I don't think a lot of teams are going to know how to deal with those two, breaking that play in the midfield in the knockout stages I just think that's an incredibly difficult midfield to play against. And I don't think a lot of other teams in the tournament will deal or cope with that. In Brazil, you've got great forwards. Um, not many defences in the tournament will be able to deal with any of their forwards. 
But whereas I look at some of the other teams, like England, uh, granted as well, um, I think our sort of like positions or our like sections of the pitch, if you look at defence, midfield, attack, barring maybe Harry Kane, Bakayo Saka and Phil Foden up top, I think our, our midfield and our defence is dealt with by most by most clubs, most teams. I just think our forward line is 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 the only possible threat we have. So with Gareth Southgate who likes to set up quite defensively, you're not actually like exploiting our biggest our biggest like weapon on a, on anyone by attacking with like one of the best attacks in the tournament. And I don't think we're going to set up to do that. And I think the reason for that is you look at our squad. We've got about 57 center backs in our team in our squad. Why are you taking that many? The only reason you take that many centre-backs is if you plan on playing three at the back with wing-backs. And if we do that, we can't play three up top. So I just, I'm just i set up for disappointment already when it comes to England. And I kind of agree with Josh. Yeah. There's a good chance we are the flop of this tournament, unfortunately. He's not going to play Saka either. Like He's going to play Sterling, which yeah. is just criminal. On, on form, he's got to play for me, Saka. Yeah, oh, I'd have I I despise Raheem Sterling's footballing ability to be honest. But um, <laughs> on form, what would you say, Saka, Kane, Foden, front three? Yeah, yeah. I'd have Saka, Kane. For, uh, but again, like I think he'll probably play three at the back, like that. You know, when we did well last Euros, and he played three at the back with Rice and Phillips holding against like bad national sides, I just was. It just seems criminal to me. Like we've got arguably some of the best attacking talent in the world and then like you're playing seven defensive players yeah. I just I don't I just I just don't understand the bloke he's just just doesn't work for me One, but yeah I think Stish is absolutely right he'll, he'll set up very defensively and we won't be able to make okay. use of our good attacking I'll, I'll be I'll be quietly pleased if you know if he is going to play three at the back if he's if he's holding mids his two midfielders in the centre or if he goes for like five three two if you like if he sets up, I mean, defenders is probably going to be Stones, Maguire. I don't think Walker's going to be fit for the first game, is he? Um, but he's and probably going Walker to play... isn't fit. He probably won't play five at the back then. No. Hopefully he goes 4 3 3. But, you know, one thing I am looking forward to is Drew Bellingham in this tournament. I'm expecting yeah. to see a lot more of him. Yeah, nice. He offers a lot more than Calvin Phillips and Rice together because I think they're both quite a similar um, player. Whereas if he, if he puts Rice next to Bellingham, he gives us a little bit more going forward than like than than Calvin Phillips, and hopefully, yeah. you know, if he does go Sterling instead of Saka, let's just hope that the Sterling from the Euros turns up and not the Chelsea Sterling that we've seen this season, because he was pretty good in the Euros, and I'll take a performance like that out of him again. But on current form, I just I don't know how anyone could leave Saka out of the starting lineup. Personally, I think he's a great player. Yeah, so everything you say. I, I did um, the Value of Talent podcast with Harry and Fed, and I had England as my flop of the tournament. Um, but on on the Southgate thing, to play a wee bit of devil's advocate, if you look at Group B, I think when you make the draw, you could probably, as England, safely say none of those teams are likely to score two goals or more against us. You know, like if you set up correctly, like you could really force that issue to happen. And with yeah. the obvious talent available, like. You know, as you were mentioning with Southgate earlier, tournament football, get the job done and progress. Um, you know, at the end of the day, everyone will be buzzing if you, you do progress and go far just on the results alone. Even that Russia run, you know, even though it was spanking little teams all the way, everyone was still buzzing about it. So I'm pretty sure um, that'll, be, 
But I, I fancy America to do well. I wouldn't be surprised, equally, everything you guys have said, I wouldn't be surprised if England were third and America and Wales somehow ran out of this group and were going <laughs> for the tournament. Have a party. Um, but equally on that kind of note as well, probably that, actually, I just want to say one thing before I, I go to this, because we touched on it earlier. We are talking about it before recording. We spoke about Brazilian defence and then went away from it, right? But Danny Alves is at this tournament. I don't know how old he is. The guy is the most decorated footballer in world football history. And I think, like, I, I have Brazil as my favourites to win it. I think Brazil will do win it. And I think, like, him being in the squad raised some eyebrows, right? And he is old and, yeah, whatever. But I seen him play for Barca, like, last season. And, like, he's not a million miles off it. You know, he's been chilling out in Mexico for the last six months, be keeping himself in good nick and whatever. And the Brazilian defence is, on paper, like, definitely not World Cup winning standards. You know, like, Alexandro's past his peak, Tellez. Danilo, uh, you know, also we're talking about Danny Alves as well, Marquinhos, Thiago Silva, how old is he? Um, but I do think in these tournament situations as well, sometimes these old heads do get you across the line, you know. And I hope Danny Alves appears at least twice in this tournament. I would hope to see him, and again, I don't know how cheap he is, but I would hope to see him in game three of the group to get his appearance if they're, if they're home and hosed. And equally, again, at some other stage in the tournament, if they're into extra time or whatever, that kind of idea, I could see him being used again as like the leader that helps get them over the line. It, either Danny Alves, is there anyone else in that kind of mode that you guys are looking forward to seeing at this World Cup? Maybe a guy that is going to be his last tournament or anything like that? Ochoa. I can't be, of course, but... Ochoa! Ochoa. <laughs> ah, Guillermo. Yeah. He's like, he's like a... Very good. The evergreen, isn't he? He always plays yeah. well at the World Cup and... What is this? His fifth World Cup now? Is this his fifth one? Could be, uh... He's one of only a few players who's played in five, I think, if he plays in this World Cup. So, uh, yeah, it'll be good to see him. He's still flying through the air. He's over 78 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> no, Charlie, do you know, I did have his so rare card until about a year ago. I let him, I let it go. But um, I, would, I wouldn't mind having that back in my gallery for, for the World Cup. I think he'll be a great, uh, a great addition to any team. And looking forward to seeing him for Mexico, definitely. No one else really springs to mind for me, but but Ochoa um, of Mexico feels like home watching him. It just kind of, this is like a, a nostalgia kick. It brings me back to the previous. Like retro, World even Cup. though it's not retro. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just looking at him, I just think, yeah, I remember watching you about 15 years ago. Still watching you now. Modric for me is the one. Modric, I like. It's like a, a swan song. Yeah, um, he's thirty-seven now. It, uh, it seems a bit weird saying that because he's still like so, so dominant, really, for for Real Madrid, I guess. But yeah, it's just it's his birth certificate. Eh? Besides that, you wouldn't know it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't imagine he plays at another one. So yeah, it'd be nice to see him. As much as I don't like Croatia for what they did to us at the last one, um, it'd be <laughs> nice to see him have a good one. Yeah, I was going to say Kelo Navas, but yeah. Is he even even playing? I mean, obviously he's cold. I will be. But um, yeah, I yes, he, yeah. He'd picked up a knock or something. Not with Paris, not too long ago, if I'm mistaken. I think I'm. Yeah, I, I think like I think he can. If Costa Rica does anything, that he would mean he'd be fantastic. And I think it's he's probably the most hard on by goalkeeper in the history of talented goalkeeper wherever he's been. They've replaced <laughs> yeah. him when he was the best still. So I think it'll, uh, it'll, it'll be a good shot for him if he can get a good a good competition. Um, he's got a tough group, though. I don't know. I don't know what he can do to save the team by himself. But yeah, Spain, Germany, Japan. But yeah, it, it's it's definitely his last one. So hopefully he can do something. What about nice. you, Quinny? 
You got your eye on anyone? Um, other than Danny Alves, I was just having a wee scroll through there. Probably the only other one that I would want to get a mention on this podcast is probably Luis Suarez. He's been drafted in for Uruguay. Uruguay are always a dark horse in every World Cup. Luis Suarez loves to be a headline maker and a match winner. You know, don't think he's a 90-minute guy at this stage. And again, Uruguay, I heard somebody talking about, oh, some guy on Twitter said, oh, Darwin Nunes, top goal scorer, 66-1. to 1. That might be something. And it's like, mate, Darwin Nunes, Maxi Gomez, Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani. It's like two pairs of the same people and all they're <laughs> going to do because Cavani and Suarez are pensioners. They're just going to either mix and match or whatever they do, but it, none of those guys are going to play 90 minutes like yeah. for the way Uruguay play and how they're going to deploy them. Um, and subsequently, Suarez, I think, will get actually a good amount of minutes in this tournament and maybe not someday anyone's ever mentioned. For But if Uruguay progress, Suarez is the kind of national hero, isn't he? So maybe I'll be a bit of Louis. And Valverde in there as well, put him in the mix and see, yeah. you know, like they could create something. Yeah, I like Uruguay. I like Uruguay for the tournament. Is Diego Godin in the in the squad? Did he make the final squad? He is. Yeah, he is yep. still. I think all the usual suspects are there. <laughs> he, he he's got to be seventy five now, isn't he, Godin? <laughs> Thirty eight or something, man. At least um, I think he got a card last year at Genoa or something like that. Born in eighty six. So he's 36 years old. There is actually a 40 year old that's going. Is there? Yes. It's not Danny Alves? It's not. It is a Mexican goalkeeper, but it's not Guillermo Ochoa. Oh, oh is it Alex Um, What's his Talavera. name? I've got, I've got him. Talavera, yeah. I've got him in my teams. Yeah, Talavera. He's actually yep. a really good uh, SO5 goalkeeper for the non World Cup. Plays in his uh, club football in Mexico and picks a lot of clean sheets up and. Uh, yeah, he, he was someone I tipped to like all of my friends who were like on the fence about paying out for a goalkeeper. I was like, get this guy. And they're like, he's 40. I'm like, he plays every week. He's, I think he plays for Pumas. <laughs> he's cheap, isn't he? Yeah, he's dirt cheap. Yeah, like, he yeah plays I think so. So, yeah, he's in the squad. And he, I believe, from the looks of things, he's the eldest, the eldest person going to the World Cup. I was really he's... surprised, actually, that Mexico didn't bring um, Carlos. Uh, What's his name? I forget Acevedo. His name. Acevedo, yeah. He didn't make the squad. Surprised about that because he's been hotly tipped to be like their next number one and he's not even in the top three for the World Cup this year. They brought a lot of eight. He had like pick up a year and jury or something like that last year and he missed like a almost a full season or something and didn't come back from it or something like that. I was looking he at it. Yeah. yeah. He, he did come back. He's, he's, he's been in the Mexico squad a, a couple of times. But he had a good finish to his season. He started pretty poorly when he came back from injury but um yeah these a decent player decent goalkeeper a very mexican uh goalkeeper you know um in the sense that he's like high flying big saves you know the classic like campos style uh goalkeeper quite like you know you you, you spot him with his like long hair the hairband yeah i'm gutted he's not going to be there to be honest i was really looking forward to seeing to seeing him I was expecting maybe like when I picked him, I think I picked his card up two years ago when I first joined the platform and I just thought this guy's going to be the Mexico keeper soon. And I'm surprised he's not still, but um, yeah, Ochoa's not putting his gloves down for anyone. I wouldn't be surprised if he, <laughs> does he, is he, is not, is he announced international um, retirement or anything after this? Like, or is Ochoa looking to carry on? Cause it just doesn't seem to be any signs of slowing down. 
I actually uh, thought the other Ochoa was supposed to be the heir apparent, uh, the boy in America, because he oh, right. turned Mexican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other Ochoa. Mexican. Yeah. Araujo didn't make the squad either, which I was gutted about. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. I was David Ochoa. David Ochoa. Him. He hasn't been playing much this year, has he? No, he like disappeared from his club and then yeah. he's now at Rooney's team and I yeah, think he's been in Mince for a while, but... I think maybe after, I don't know. I think they've nationalised him. So maybe he, he was he was playing next World Cup. There will be a Choa in goals for Mexico. <laughs> yeah. the, the legacy will continue for the next twenty years. <laughs> it's half at home as well. Next World Cup, right? It's Mexico, America, and um, the Canada. US and Canada. That probably uh, Jeremy. That's a, that's a great. Probably the last nation I, I would probably want us to touch on, and we'll wrap this show up. But is Canada right? Because. We're talking about big teams earlier on. Who would you? I was actually going to come on to say this. Like I did say England to flop, right? But as I was scrolling through the group, having this chat with you guys, like I think Belgium cruised that group, right? But would I be surprised if Canada caused an upset with like Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Tejon Buchanan? You know, they've got some like athletic, pacey, committed young, you know, uh, aspirational players. You know, and I don't know. What do you think about Canada? Too soon for them, I think. Okay, but I, I I like I I agree with you. You know, on any given day, they could definitely cause an upset with those players. I just I just don't know if it's if it's their time yet. But I would not be surprised if they did cause an upset at some point. Whether or not they get through the group, maybe another discussion. But yeah, but fancy them to get a result in one of those games, maybe. Tough group for them, I think. I think Morocco are probably going to be the one of the better performing African teams. Fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, they definitely could do. And, you know, with the back line Belgium are going to have, Courtois might have to be on his game if he wants to stop him scoring. I think that could actually be a really high-scoring group. Mm. Um, That's a good point. Because, uh, you know, Canada, I think Canada are going to score goals, right? And I think Morocco are probably going to score goals. This is making me feel bad for having Livakovic as my goalkeeper in the rest. <laughs> <especially> <laughs> <this game. laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- it could, I think it could be a high-scoring group, that one. But yeah, no, it's, I can certainly see them calling, causing teams some problems. But yeah, maybe a bit like Stish, I think their group's maybe just slightly too big for them at this stage. Maybe a better chance in the next one. Belgium and Croatia, it's experienced and they know how to get out of groups. Mm. So that's the hard Definitely. one. But they, they could. Like I got, I got Kamal Miller, rare and super rare the whole season. Because I love him as a defender, and I was like, "World Cup's coming, he's staying." Because I know he's playing. Um, and same for um, what's his name, the keeper as well. Can I remember now? LAFC keeper. Um, Crepo, but, um yeah, Crepo, yeah, yeah, he's my keeper. He's ten percent um, um, experience. So I, I think they'll they can do all right, but uh, but I think it's hard against Belgium and, and Croatia. But all those teams, the three, Mexico, the US, and Canada. Like it's it's the rehearsal, so they they kind of have to do good. Yeah, yeah. In four years, they will want to do good at home. So we never know; they could they could surprise us. Good show, because as as well, like the last, one of the kind of under the radar people, I think, could have a decent World Cup. I'm not going to say they're going to win any awards or anything, but they'll probably make a name for themselves. As uh, the boy at Montreal, uh, I think his name's Ishmael Coney, uh, and he like he he gives me. I remember watching. I wasn't like watching MLS the way I do now, but I remember like hearing from MLS and seeing the highlights and whatever when Alfonso Davies kind of broke on the scene and this Ishmael Coney is not maybe quite Alfonso Davies impact on you know his breakout but Montreal exceeded expectations yada 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 he's going to the World Cup and he'll probably actually get some good minutes for Canada um, and he's a player that maybe after a couple of games people are like oh he's actually like he's actually quality maybe he gets a transfer or something so yeah I just think Canada have got a few weak kind of burgeoning talents that 
you know, World Cup sometimes can be kind to. There definitely will be a surprise, Quinny. Some something is going to happen that nobody thinks. So yeah, could you know? I mean, stranger things have happened. Like you say, South Korea got to a semi, and they're in their one. When was that? A Euros or a World Cup? Oh, was it a Euros or? Yeah, I was going to say the Ghana one where Suarez handballed, but yeah, both of those teams are not in Europe. So yeah, well done, Josh. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> that one where um, where Ghana went really far with Asamoah Jan scoring all the time. Yeah. That was the South Africa World Cup, wasn't it? Was that yeah, was yeah, that South Africa as well? Oh, I just oh, I must have a very vivid memory of that World Cup. Luis Suarez handball, obviously. Yeah, uh, that t- that clip came up on Twitter again the other day. That's what oh. I'm I think that tells we've probably taken too much of Josh's time. Yeah. His batteries are running out. He's going to be in the chamber. I'll go back in. I don't know if you've ever seen um, what's the name of the TV show? Is it called Boba Fett? You know the Star Wars stuff. They've got these mad banta tanks they go into, and it's like a mad bath and. That thing on. That's what Josh does when he's not on content, and then he comes out and he makes his teams. So we'll let you recharge your batteries, Josh. Thanks for coming thanks. on. And thanks. Jeremy, it's probably way past your bedtime, mate. Thanks for having me. It's 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 tomorrow already here. I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> All right, tomorrow's my day off. I'm good. Oh, you're you're going to get to watch the World Cup before us at this rate, mate. You're, uh, yeah, that's what happens, Jeremy. Early. Come on. <laughs> Friends play like three times at like six a.m., two a.m., two a.m. It's it's terrible. But it's all. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've had tons of fun recording this. I hope everyone enjoys listening to it. I'm pretty sure anyone listening to this is either going to make a decision that will improve dramatically their performance in the Global Cup and there'll be an equal measure of people that will make a decision after listening to this that will make their score go down dramatically. (laughs) I hope there's more of you on the upside than the downside. (laughs) Good luck to everyone. Guys, thanks a lot. Thanks, Gwynny. Thanks for having us.